0: Heyo! Welcome to Fanboys Book Club, episode 7, top-rated podcast about reading. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about book number 13 and book number 14 that I've read, Motherless Brooklyn by Jonathan Lethem, and The Best of Richard Matheson by Richard Matheson. For those who don't know, I am reading, I'm not an avid, I was never really an avid reader. But currently, I am reading 50 of the greatest books of all time. And plus some personal picks of my own. Currently, I'm on book 31. And, yeah, now I'm talking about them with you. To you. You can't really talk back. Okay, first book is Motherless Brooklyn. So Motherless Brooklyn was written by Jonathan Lethem. It was published in 1999. And it is 311 pages long. So it's not that bad. Now this is a personal pick for me. Because I originally read this book a long time ago. uh, In 2005, 2006, something like that. And I really loved this book. Uh, So I wanted to... Reread it. I hadn't read it in a long time. Wanted to reread it. Wanted it to be part of the 50 books I read. So it is about Lionel. Lionel is a... He was an orphan. He's an adult. But I mean, he was an orphan. he kind of works for this cab company. And he has Tourette's. Tourette syndrome, Tourette's. And what's really fascinating about this book is the exploration of his Tourette's. And the fact that Tourette's is not is something that people can't help. It's a neurological thing. And the biggest misconception of Tourette's is just. You know, spouting out out curse words or just yelling out curse words. And that's actually a huge misconception. Someone with Tourette's can do that, but not in the way that Hollywood has already always betrayed them. And Tourette's is way more deeper than that. Tourette's has a lot to do with tics. And a lot of the times the tics are reflective and repetitive. Based on what is happening around them. And for instance, they can repeat a phrase or repeat a word that they've heard or repeat a uh, physical, something physical like a tapping or a movement, and their brain just misconstrues it into this weird tick, like almost like a, a warp. So they see something or hear something, and their brain picks that specific thing, and then they repeat it, but almost in a warp. A warp-like way. I, think, I don't know if that's like the best way to describe it, but the book really delves into his, his issues with that. And a lot of the Tourette's is, goes hand-in-hand with OCD. So for an example in the book, Lionel likes White tassel. And so he always buys the exact amount of White Tassels every time. And every time he takes, he has like a, he has like a, a step-by-step thing he always does with the, with the White Tassels. He takes one burger and he hits all four corners of the burger, always in the same sequence. And then he, he just eats the burger in one whole bite. And then he takes another one and does the same thing. And when that's disrupted... And when someone takes one of the burgers, he freaks out and it kinda disrupts his Tourette's. So anyway, he uh has a mentor uh who, who's pretty much in the mob, a low a little douchebag in the mob. And his uh his mentor dies. And so Lionel kinda tries to figure out why he died and what happened to him. He's part of this taxi service, but secretly they work as detectives or private eyes. Um, So yeah, it's a mystery. And it really delves into this Tourette's. I remember reading it for the first time and I was just so, I learned so much about Tourette's because of this book. Because Jonathan Lethem goes into so much detail. And he did so much research on this. And that is... The catch of the book. That's what brings you in. Is the Tourette's. Unfortunately, in my second reading of this... That's pretty much the only... Draw of the book. Um, I had to, like, when I was reading, I was like... Thinking... Man, this this mystery does not hold up. It's very flimsy. It's very unnecessary, and there's really no point to it. Uh, Lionel is a loser, and he's basically just like a fat loser. And you know, so sort of sort of begs the question: Is he a loser because of the Tourette's, or, you know, is he just a loser, in? by itself, by himself, like, without adding the Tourette's to it. Because, again, the other issue with having Tourette's is it's a big, um, social... it, It turns him... It really just makes him into a social pariah. Because in every situation he goes to, he just blurs out this... These... incoherent... Um phrases that make no sense and everyone's just like what the fuck is wrong with you and mind you this is supposed to take place in modern times so it came out in 99 so it's supposed to take place in 99 and I understand that people still at that time were not uh, completely up-to-date on Tourette's and uh, really understood what it was but it just seems like a lot of their reactions are reactions that you would get if the setting was 1950, or 1960, or even 1970. But it's 1999, and you would think people would be a little bit more sensitive. You know, and it's like, he just blurts out this nonsense. And instead of thinking, well, maybe there's something medically wrong with him, they're just like, are you fucking, you know, mentally challenged? And it's just like, no, every situation he goes to people would think or the other the other response is like, "Oh, you're crazy. You're you're silly. You're you know, you're a, a wild man." You know, and it's just this fat slob spurring out like just incoherent nothingness that's so embarrassing to him and it turns him into this like pariah. Um he, there's a love interest, and then the love interest kind of just fizzles because, again, living with Tourette's is not, in, at least in Lionel's case, it's not the greatest. And I think it depends on who you are and how you're raised, depending on what you have. Um, obviously, like I said, he was an orphan, and he never really had a good support system. So he just grows up being a social pariah and just not being able to handle it. Uh, because when he gets, he just starts to with this girl, and he eventually has uh, physical romantic liaisons with her. They have sex. He kind of ruins it by constantly calling her. Because again, this Tourette's is almost like an OCD, and he can't help himself from just calling her and calling her and kind of annoys her and... And once again, the Tourette's ruins another potential relationship. Or does it? I don't know. Because she just it just seems like she, again, she falls into the trap that all the characters fall into. They just become extremely insensitive about his problems. And they're not even addressed. It's just he's seen as a freak, he's seen as a slob, he's seen as mentally challenged, and that's it. And then at the same time, he's trying to figure out who killed his, his, uh, his mentor. Um, So, even at the end of it, uh, spoiler, no spoilers or spoilers, life just goes on. And it's just like, it's depressing. It's depressing. And just, does he have to be a fat slob loser that no one fucking likes? You know, and he's not a bad person. He's a good person. He's a... Kind, very kind-hearted person. But it's like this kind-hearted person in a world of assholes. Anyway, it also takes place in Brooklyn. Which is a nice little backdrop, because, spoiler alert, I live in Brooklyn. Uh, So he he uses this city as almost like another character. Because he talks about neighborhoods, he talks about streets... Now, there's another thing that's interesting. This isn't going to mean anything to anyone, but... This guy lives in Brooklyn his whole life. He lives in a part of Brooklyn. He lives on Smith Street. It's like Carl Gardens. It means nothing to nobody. And there's a part in the book where he's, like, in Greenpoint. And he knows nothing about Greenpoint. Like, it's a foreign land. It's the same borough. I mean, granted, I live in a part of Brooklyn, and... Williamsburg is like France to me. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. It's so far away. Might as well be France. Because it's, it's a whole other story. Difficult to get to. But my point is, is like, I don't know. Maybe at least I know a little bit. It's like he, he doesn't even know. I don't know. It's just weird to me. But whatever. It's possible. Uh, let's see. I did write a review about this. I think I'm just nitpicking at that point. Um. Oh, let's see. Huh. Of course, I'm not. Um, but I will say, you know, I didn't like the book as much as I did the first time, which I think was apparent. And I was very disappointed in the fact that just the so-called mystery just does not, not hold up. All right, here's a review. Um, the Pitch, I pretty much said The Pitch. He He's a part of a group of other orphans. And they all treat him like shit, too. Everyone treats him like shit. Even his fucking mentor, who has a soft spot for Lionel, still. Um, so, I so said, this is a reread. It's been years since I picked this book up. Um, I have to say, I think the years have not been too kind to it. The explanation of Tourette's is top-notch, is extremely fascinating, and the driving force of the story, the rest of, the, the rest of it is uneven. The book is supposed to be a mystery, but many of the conclusions don't add up. These parts of the story are where I don't where I believe doesn't hold up during the test of time. Some characters, their relationship, their reasoning for doing things, their purpose, and storyline, in general are only important slash reasonable up to a certain extent. Again, the exploration of Tourette's is the heart of the book, how it makes Lionel the center of attention and social pariah at the same time. I do have an issue with the fact that no one humanizes or sympathizes with him the, the more we do. You know, you're supposed to sympathize him. You're supposed to feel bad for him. And it seems like nobody else does. At all. The constant ignorance towards the neurological problem comes off as difficult to believe at times. Still isn't an enjoyable story that can be dissected and analyzed. Uh, another thing is they made a movie... Out of this book just recently, it came out in 2019, I believe. It was written, directed, and starred Edward Norton. Now, there is a classic phrase that I'm going to put into how I feel about this movie adaptation of Motherless Brooklyn. And that phrase is: I wouldn't fuck it with your dick. I do not want to see this movie. I don't care to see this movie. I think Ed Norton, in his egotism, ruined a perfectly good plot or book that could have been adapted. Now, why do I say this? Well, the reason, um, actually, let me sum this up in a few words. Takes place in the 1960s. That's not the book. The book is supposed to be a modern tale. And if you wanted to keep it 1999, you wanted to update it to 2019, that's fine. Why did you change it to 1960? Plus, I read the plot of the movie. And other than Lionel having Tourette's, other than him having his mentor die and trying to figure out why, everything else has changed. The reasoning has changed. Characters are added. I mean, there's some storyline with an African-American woman that's not in the book. There's Alex Baldwin plays some... Political muckety muck that's not in the book. They completely, I'm like, why even call it? All you kept were the names and the Tourette's, and that's it. So, no, thank you. I'm not watching that shit. Not watching that shit. I gave this book a four out of five. Um, if you would have asked me 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, well, however long it was. I don't. I can't take tracking time. If you would have asked me then, I would have given it a 5 out of 5. It was like one of the best things I ever read. But now, eh, it was good. You know, it's good. It's got a good premise. It's got a good beginning. But the execution just falls flat. The next book I'm going to talk about is book number 14. The Best of Richard Matheson. Now, this is an interesting one. uh, Because I was trying to get another Richard Matheson book. the library. I ended up getting this one which did not have the story I wanted to read but it was an interesting read nonetheless. Now Richard Matheson is probably one of the most prolific horror writers uh, next to like Stephen King. In fact, Richard Matheson inspired Stephen King. He also inspired Steven Spielberg and countless others. So Richard Matheson was a writer He wrote short stories, long stories. He wrote for TV. He wrote for movies. Uh, One of his most famous things that he wrote for was The Twilight Zone. He wrote The Twilight Zone. He wrote a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. Some of his episodes became movies. Um, His most famous Twilight Zone movie, uh, excuse me, Twilight Zone story is The uh, Terror on 38,000 Feet. That's not the name of it. Uh, It's the one with William Shatner where he sees a gremlin outside of the airplane. Uh, That was remade into the Twilight Zone movie. It was remade for the Twilight Zone remake with Jordan Peele. Uh, So a lot of his stories and a lot of the things that he's written have been adapted. The... The most his most famous book or story that, that's been adapted is I Am Legend. So I Am Legend, obviously, the last time it was adapted was in 2007 with uh, Will Buch Smith. And uh, that, again, I Am Legend is one of my favorite books of all time, my favorite stories of all time. I read that, yeah, I read that later on. But uh, right now it's just his short stories. Mostly short stories. Uh, A lot of his short stories were turned into movies. TV shows. I'm trying to think... um, Other books, Stir of Echoes, were turned into movies. What Dreams May Come was turned into a movie. Uh, He did a Twilight Zone episode called The Box, which was turned into a movie. Um, Some of his... uh, There was an old TV movie called Trilogy of Terror. And it was in the 70s when they used to do, when they, they when TV TVs used to do um, TV movies. I think there was no real TV movies anymore. So anyway, all three, there was a trilogy of horror stories and they were all adapted from Richard Matheson books, uh, short stories. So he wrote a lot. Uh, real Steel is, I think, one of the last things that they adapted. That was from a, uh, you know, with you jackass, uh, that was a uh, timeless story. So anyway, he's written a lot, and he's influenced a lot. So the Richard Matheson, the best of Richard Matheson, came out in 2017, and it was uh, edited by this guy Victor Laval, and he was a friend of Matheson's, or he eventually became a friend of Math. I think he was a fan, and then he became a friend. Uh, Sadly, Richard Matheson passed away a few years ago. Uh, I think around the time they did this best of. So this Victor Laval guy, he took a lot of his short stories, Matheson's short stories, and compiled them uh, into this best of. So this was just based based on his preference. But also he took stories that were very famous and uh, well-known. So Richard Richard Matheson's style is very interesting because some of the stories read like Twilight Zone episodes, Um, but you also have to understand that some of these stories became uh, Twilight Zone episodes. So if you're not familiar with Twilight Zone, it was an anthology series uh, that mixed science fiction, thriller, sometimes horror, and a lot of the story arc was just basically set up, set up, and there was always a twist at the end, usually a twist at the end. And uh, a lot of the times the stories reflected what was going on at the time, 60s, you know. Some socialist, socialist, (laughs) some socialism uh, uh, stories, things about social, you know, things going on at the time. Whatever, don't listen to me. So... um, Some of the stories were good. I mean, there were a lot of stories. I can't remember how many there were. But, um... There were a lot. And out of them... Probably... I don't know. More than half. Probably more than half... Were really good. Um... I mean, you could see why he's very influential. And that... It's funny because... Uh, I'll get into it more, but there's a story where there's a killer doll. One of the stories is a killer doll. And a lot of his stories that got published were... I mean, his stories range from 1950 to 2008. But a lot of these stories were like the 50s and the 60s. And that's basically child's play. I mean, there had been... A Twilight Zone episode about Chiller dolls before but the this one in particular was a lot more almost like action because in his story the doll hunts a person like literally hunts them and in many ways that's what you know certain scenes of child's play was like not knowing where Chucky was and Chucky surprising them and because he's so small, he's able to hide behind things. It was, it felt very much like a ch- child's play. It's like Richard Matheson, like even Steel, like he wrote Steel, or or it ended up becoming Real Steel. I mean, androids. I mean, he, I don't. Know, he wrote a lot about a lot of stuff, but the 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 chunky thing, I was thinking about when I read this. It was like this is a precursor to Child's Play. Like I'm sure he's like one of the building blocks influences of what would eventually become Child's Play. Uh, anyway, I wrote a review. So, uh, 33 short stories. So out of the 33, uh, claimed sci-fi horror writer Richard Matheson, claimed that blah, 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 includes his most famous short stories, many of which were adapted as Twilight Zone episodes or movies. Uh, so one of the stories is the uh, aforementioned Terror on thirty three thousand feet. And it was good um but it's outdated because you know, first of all, the original title was uh let's see, hold on. where's Twilight? Um I don't can't find it now. Anyway, it was originally like 33,000 feet. And obviously, nowadays, planes fly higher than that. So even when they adapted it for the 1984 movie, 1984, 1985, whatever, uh, they had to update the name of it because airplanes soared higher. And just little things like that, you know, how... It's not how airplanes work anymore. Um, You know... Back in the day, they used to have people running down the the running down the runway holding the airplane you know until they just all just threw the airplane at once so it could fly and you know, making that up anyway. It was still a good story though I mean it's creepy that um somebody's on a plane and he thinks it's a man that's another thing so I didn't do much research on this, but Gremlins, I know Gremlins is, was a Disney property. And I think those cartoons, again, probably were around the 40s or the 50s. But I feel like Richard Matheson helped bring the Gremlin to pop culture more so than Disney did. Because people don't remember it. Uh, whereas people do remember this Twilight Zone episode. Gremlins come from World War II, where fighter pilots used to think that there were gremlins dismantling their, or causing ruckus on their planes, you know, and causing them to fall apart. Things is, uh, words escape me. But in any event, I believe that he is, like, a good reason. Because even when you see the Walt Disney version of Gremlins, they're, like, pudgy and small and cutesy. Whereas, obviously, if you watch the Twilight Zone episode, it's just a man in a monkey suit, pretty much. And with a bunch of makeup on. But in the story, he describes it where it's, like, it does kind of look like a man. But I think it's, like, more hunched over and a little bit more monster-like. Anyway... Um, But yeah, I think a lot of his stories helped influence things that we know today. Or movies that we know today. Alright, so anyway. Collection is essentially a greatest hits. Highlighting Matheson's best and most popular short stories. Originally written in various sci-fi and horror magazines. He has a unique style. When writing most of the short stories, when it comes to the structure of the stories, most of them remind me of a typical Twilight Zone episode which is fitting, and there's a reason for that, since many of his stories were adapted. Oh, God, what's going on and on. Because these stories are short, sometimes just a few pages long, the setup is quick, and there isn't much of a background on the characters. This works, though, as it doesn't matter what these people were doing before the short story, story. I mean, he's a very good short story writer, in the fact that he just gets to the point. And lots of times when you're watching movies or TV shows, you kind of want to know the reasoning for... And it doesn't really matter in the short stories. And you could tell it doesn't really matter. Um, there are twists in the stories that can vary between surprising and predictable. But in no way does that take away from craftsmanship, of the stories. Out of the 33, there isn't a dud in the bunch. Just some of them are a level better than others. And so then I write, I wrote down which ones I I liked. Prey. Uh, Prey Pre is the one I was talking about. This woman brings home a doll. And it's kind of like a, an ancient doll. And it's a little, because I think that's supposed to be like a Zulu doll or something of that nature. And it's a little uh, in this day and age. But nonetheless, the... The, the the bulk of the story, which is the horror, sh- still shines through. Uh, some of these I don't remember specifically. Shipshape Home, Where There's a Will, um, Dining Room Only, Man with a Club. Man with a Club was interesting. It was basically about a... Uh, it was modern New York. And there's a man who, like, beat beat someone else to death with a club, and it just turns out to be a Neanderthal. And for some reason, a Neanderthal just showed up in modern-day New York. But it was the way that the people, the modern mind, was trying to wrap itself around what they were seeing. You know, where at first you just think it's this crazy person who killed somebody with a club, but it actually is just a Neanderthal who doesn't know what's going on. Uh, button, Button. This was um, turned into a Twilight Zone episode, turned into a movie. Um, a lot of those those expand, especially the movie, expand more on where the button came from and all that bullshit. But this was a really neat short story. Uh, a couple gets a button, you know. They get this device with a button on top. And the person gives it to him and says... You'll win all this money... If you press the button... But... Someone in the world will die... And it's this great twist at the end... Uh, You kind of see it coming... Right before it's revealed... But it's still nonetheless... Fucked up... (laughs) It's a fucked up... It's a fucked up end... Duel... Duel is a great one... Now Duel... Was a... TV movie... In the 70s, directed by this up-and-coming director named uh I don't know if you've heard of him, Steven Spielberg. And I've never seen the movie. I wanted to, see, especially after reading this, I've wanted to see the movie. It's basically about a guy driving cross country he's trying to get home, and he it's awesome because it deals with road rage before road rage was even a word or a phrase. And so he Cuts off this truck driver. And cuts him off. Something happens where the truck driver isn't happy with what the guy did. And then he... The truck driver follows him. You can kind of remember this guy's driving like a a compact car. Like a shitty car. Like a typical car. And this guy's got like an 18-wheeler. And he's following him through the highway. And every time the guy tries to get away from him... The truck driver's always there. And... It sounds unrealistic, but believe me, it's, it's done in a really, I mean, it is, it's cat and mouse, it's chat and mouse to the best uh, way it can be, it's, it almost, you know, Spielberg connection, it almost reminds me of Jaws a little bit, it's just like, every time he thinks he's gotten away, and he doesn't realize, like, the guy doesn't realize how obsessed the truck driver is with him. So he'll just do things like he'll let the truck pass him and then he'll just stop and he'll just stop for like 15, 20 minutes. He'll stop on the side of the road and he'll just be like, all right, you know, and this is a long stretch of highway where there's no exits and he's like, all right, I'm just going to wait here and let him just cool off and let him go. I'll just let him go and he'll be, he'll be much further from me than, than before and then he just starts driving, and is like, okay, I'm done with this. This is done. And there's the truck on the side of the road waiting for him. And it's shit like that. It's, like, really fucked up. So fucked up. I really did. That was definitely, like, one of my favorite ones. Uh, Day of Reckoning, uh, I don't remember. The Last Day, I don't remember. the Prisoner, I don't remember. One for the books. Now Die in It. Oh, de- <sighs> no such thing as a vampire. That was a, uh, that was a good one. Like, trying to... Oh, yeah, that one was fucked up. That one was really fucked up. That was... A guy believes his wife is being slowly drained by a vampire. I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. Because that one was really fucked up. That was, that was like Tales from the Crypt. I don't know if I remember. Sorry. I'm not getting into it. Um, there was another one... I don't remember the name of it, but it's on here. I know it's on here. It was really fucked up because it was about this couple who go to this diner. They're driving, and they want to take a break, and they go to this diner, and uh, they're kind of arguing about what to eat, and, and they just want to stop. And the... Woman, they both go to the bathroom. And the woman goes, and there's not that many people in the diner. It's like a really seedy diner in the middle of nowhere. And the woman goes to the bathroom and the man goes to the bathroom. The couple, their husband and wife, and the wife comes out and the husband's gone. And she starts to be like, like, where's my husband? And the few patrons that are in the diner, and even the cook in the diner, have no idea what she's talking about. And it's really fucked up because it starts off almost supernatural. Where she's in this position like, I know I came in with a husband. I know I have a husband. But no one seems to remember him. And she starts to feel crazy a little bit. And there's a lot of reminiscence of other movies and TV shows that have done this since. But then it goes down a fucked up... It goes down a road... That not only is it not supernatural, but it is extremely realistic. And out of all the stories I read, that one scared me the most. Because it was so real. It was was real. Um, I mean, to the point where I wonder if that really happened to somebody. So... Uh these stories aren't all fantasy, as many of them resonate in common fears and livable situations, which I just mentioned because this this story in particular, I wish I remember the name of it. It's one of these I can't remember um it's just um it it really plays on on fear uh, common fear or real fear. It's very clear that his stories transcend time as many filmmakers and writers such as Stephen King and Steven Spielberg have cited. Matheson is a big influence. This is a great collection and a very good jumping point for anyone interested in reading Matheson's material. I gave this a 4 out of 5. I really did enjoy it. I probably could have given it a 4.5 out of 5. But, you know, there are 33 short stories. None of them are duds. But not all of them are home runs either. Um, But yeah, 4 out of 5. I'd probably reread this again. Or at least some of them. Yeah, i got to find that one I really liked. I can't remember the fucking name of it. Not See, some of his titles are, are misleading. Um, yeah, I'm going to look for it. But Prisoner? No, that's not it. I don't remember. I remember the story. I remember everything that happens. I just can't fucking remember the name of it. There were 33 stories. What do you expect from me? Okay, four out of five. That will do it for another episode of Fanboys Book Club. Thank you for listening. I don't forget, I wrote a book called "Champ Misanthrope of the Year." It's on Amazon. Just put in my name, E R I K, and Champ, and Amazon. You'll find it. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about another Harry Potter book, "Goblet of Fire," and "Cycle of the Werewolf," which is the first Stephen King story that I am book story that I'm reading on this. On this thing. Uh, Don't forget... There's a... Gamerish email... Address. You can email me... Or write in on the Facebook group. Say how much you love this podcast. Don't tell me how much you don't like it. Because I will find you. I have a certain set of skills. uh, And I will find you. And tell you... I do not appreciate you... Saying bad things. Uh, Don't forget... Something uh reading was fundamental keep reaching for the stars and wash your hands thank you